Nothing discussed with Dr. Moravec in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another conversation taking us from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich from Sutter Health Kahimohala, and this limited series is an ongoing project by three of us. That would be me, that would be my colleague, Trisha Kajimura at Kahimohala, and also Evan Leung from Brain Gain Hawaii. And we hope that this limited series will offer conversations that will be helpful as we all move through this turbulent time and into whatever comes next. It's easy to be anxious these days. We all know that. For weeks on end, most of us have been staying at home, working at home if we're still lucky enough to have jobs. And if we don't, we're trying to figure out where we go and how we go from here. We're watching the state wrestle with an absolutely huge deficit. It doesn't know what it's going to do with this financial shortfall. We're wondering how that plays into our lives, what programs may be available, what may not. We're watching the, uh, the state try to plan for how it's going to open schools the next academic year, and also how we're safely going to allow tourists to come back to our state and, and restart our economy. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety, plenty to go around. And then, of course, there are the people that we live with as we're all staying or working at home. Today, psychologist Nikki Moravec joins me, and we're going to explore what she sees happening with couples as they're trying to navigate through this era of COVID-19, and what we all might do if we're in paired relationships to find greater connection both now and as we move into whatever circumstances happen after we move through this initial phase of, of dealing with COVID-19. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for, for making the time. How are you Thank and your you family coping? Uh, I think pretty good. Not that we don't have some bumpy moments to be expected, um, but mostly don't pretty we well. All? Exactly. Don't we all? Yeah, and that, that's part of why I wanted to talk to you about this, because how we each internalize what's happening is, is one thing. But when you're in a paired relationship, you're married or you have a partner, and you're around each other a lot, and then if you add you know, kids into the mix, but just focusing for a second on the couples, it can be pretty difficult to see how you negotiate space, how you negotiate the time you need to do what you need, how somebody gets that time and space, you know, rightfully, and, and all of those things that we need to do to keep our lives moving forward, and also be working if we're working from home, or just coping with the fact that we're not. So as you've been talking to your clients, and I know you do a lot of telehealth these days, especially. <laughs> yes, exclusively. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you hearing from them as, as you talk about their, their issues and, and, and what they're facing? Sure. I think sort of um, a, a universal is that we're all experiencing some level of stress and anxiety. Um, and another sort of universal theme is the theme of loss. You know, um, we're really cut off in lots of different ways and our, our, all of our lives have changed um, significantly for many of us. Um, so those are sort of the, you know, all people, all couples are experiencing this. And then then beyond that, there's a real range of experiences. You know, there's some people that are worrying about how are we going to pay next month's rent or mortgage? Um, like you said, you know, how are we going to juggle space at home, uh, the stress that comes up, 
maintaining our, our work responsibilities, our childcare responsibilities, um, and just all the stress and prickliness that may come with that. I was thinking about this as just in my own household and, mm -hmm. and with my husband and, and the things that we've been trying to negotiate. And, um, you know, there's that old saying that nothing brings out either the best or the worst in people like, like, you know, funerals and weddings. But I would add this situation too, because mm -hmm. we're finding out things about each other that have never been tested before. They've never had to be tested before. Right. And I'm supposing that that's happening in a lot of households. Absolutely. So I had read one statistic and it, you know, just to think about it, we may see our partner in the morning when we wake up and then we go about our day and then maybe a couple of hours at the end of the day. And now we're seeing them, you know, almost all the time. Um, I would like to add, you know, for some couples, they've found some real sweetness in this, in the slowing down, um, in the lack of stress from commute and, you know, the rushing to get here and there. So, you know, that's one upside that people have certainly, um, practice gratitude for, which I think is important in this time. Um, but then yes, all the different negotiations that you're talking about um, and the ways that that comes between us sometimes. So let's talk about that part a little bit. Okay. First. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, and, and then we can end with sure. some of the, the sweetness too, because I agree with you, there are moments of both. And, mm -hmm. and very clearly when you're around to see some of the things that happen in, in the small moments of life, um, you're, you're present. And when you're off in an office or doing what you do normally during the day when you obviously haven't had a situation like this before, you're not present to perhaps see some of those things. And so I've been witnessing these very sweet moments that my husband has with some of our cats and some <laughs> of the things that he does with the plants or some of the things he does in the kitchen and things that really, you know, aside from maybe noticing the result, like, oh, gee, that got cleaned or that got moved. You know, mm. you don't see the process of it. Mm. And now we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of process in, in both good and small and small ways, yes, but some things too that maybe we wish we didn't see <laughs> because we're there all the time. All the time, yeah. It's like, sweetheart, close the bathroom door. Mm. <laughs> and I don't mean to be gross about that, but this is what happens when you are cohabitating with somebody you yeah. know, for, for days right. on end. And, and, I'm, and I'm wondering how you see some of these things where we're so incredibly intimate with our partners or our spouses that it's bringing people around to some awarenesses that they didn't have before and what that means for the relationships as they, they transcend this because at some point we are not going to be doing this 24-7 and, right, and right. what that can take us into as we move into the next phase of our relationship. What sort of, I think a lot of it depends on how you approach it and how couples are able to, right? So, and there's, it's like double stress, right? So this overarching unknown and uncertainty. And then, yeah, for some of us who are lucky to be working at home, it's actually quite stressful. Um, you, you know, the, the demand is high and the, the space is different and the ability to concentrate and focus is, is challenged. Um, and so certainly lots of couples, um, you know, arguing a bit more, being a bit more snappy with each other, um, feeling a greater need to, to have space, but frustrated about how do we manage that? How do we get the space? Um, so certainly um, people are expressing more challenges with uh, conflict, uh, frequency, duration, even intensity of conflict between them. 
it seems like there's an issue of timing with all of this too, because mm -hmm. in the day-to-day -day life that we have, if we work outside of a home or whether we're just out and about a whole lot, we are very much in control of our own timing, when we're going to do certain things, why we're going to do them in those times. But now that we're all under one roof or you know, a couple maybe under one roof, one person's timing may not at all be somebody else's timing. Exactly. And it seems like at least, you know, in our home that we've had to negotiate that a lot about, you know, sweetheart, I'm working on blah, 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 or for the next half an hour, I'm going to be doing blah, 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 whatever. But right. I feel like I have to issue a lot of those kinds of communications. And he, to me, right. um, especially when I need to keep the house very quiet because my husband does voice acting and he's being, he will be in his <laughs> okay. studio and things have to be very quiet. And I have to take maybe a call in another part of the house. I mean, this is just, our situation, I can imagine other people are negotiating how they're doing their jobs mm -hmm. well at home too. And I'm, I'm wondering if you have some tips, if there were some tips for being able to <laughs> negotiate some of those things well without making the other person feel like they're, they're really intruding. Absolutely. So for, for lots of us, um, you know, and it's hard because work naturally creates a structure or the school day naturally creates a structure for us. We don't have yeah. to think about it. We just sort of drop into it and we know what it is. It's established. Um, and so, uh, yes, certainly between partners and then you throw kids into the mix. I think creating a structure um, and, and making it known, sharing that, you know, maybe at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week, sitting with your partner. I certainly do like this morning to organize this. You know, I was very clear with my partner, right? My husband and my daughter. Okay, this for this period of time, and you're all set. And um, yeah, having a clear expectation. Not that we're always going to know what that's perfectly going to be, but to the best of our ability, um, letting our partner know ahead of time, right? I, I really need this quiet space. Uh, hey, I'll be available for this. Um, and not just the structure of the day. The other thing that in my family we try to do is plan the sweet time too. So I, we have to get all this done, but then at this time we get to go, you know walk and feed the ducks or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but certainly planning structure, very clear communication um, at the outset before the frustrations or the stresses have piled up can make a big difference versus, um, you know, you're in the midst of something or you're rushing to get on that phone call and then you're saying, hey, I need to be left alone. You know, that can come out a certain way because of our own level of stress and certainly land a way that, you know, might then start some challenge or difficulty between us and our partner. So, if you're in a situation where perhaps you didn't have the best of communication going into this 24 yeah. <laughs> seven underneath one roof, trying to focus and, and do all the things you need to do, how mm -hmm. can you begin to get to that level where you have to be clear in your communication and not look at somebody else as being an annoyance or an intrusion so that you both can hopefully, I, yeah. I would hope maybe learn a little bit more through this too and, and, and try to make mm -hmm. it, a little bit better because it's a really great opportunity if we want to see it that way. I agree. That's a great question. Um, I, I think it's okay to acknowledge, and sometimes you know we have to kind of you know step in the poop before we realize, oh goodness, here we are, right? <laughs> you know we have to kind of get a little dirty or a little mucked up, mucked up, and realize, hey, this really isn't working. So um, that's okay, right? But once you recognize it's not working, that's a great time to just name that with each other gosh, this week has been awful, or this week has been really hard. Um, you know, what could we do different? Um, so it's not about having, you know, you're right, some people really struggle with communication, or this is a new thing for them to sit down and think about it so clearly. Um, 
I think it's okay to name where we're struggling and how we're struggling. Um, and with all my couples, I often say, you know, make a time. Uh, don't try to figure it out when you've both just used terse words with one another and then try to figure out the plan because, you know, you're elevated, you're activated, the emotions might be high and that's not a great time to sit and listen and hear and plan. So acknowledge this is a way that we're struggling, name it very clearly, and then set aside a time. You know, hey, before the week kicks off, Sunday evening after dinner, um, maybe we talk about the week ahead. And, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of uh, my personal friends, they're getting out the whiteboard or the chalkboard and, and literally, you know, jotting things like down. That. So it's very, very clear. I like that. Um, you know, the clarity of having to actually name it, write it, everybody sees it, uh, or a couple sees it, and then you can comment about it and see how you go into the next week. Would that be a, a good thing to do just by the by, not just because you're having maybe difficulty in communication or because a week was difficult, but just as a matter of course in something like this to set aside that kind of time to, to look at how you're spending your time and what needs to get done. I mean, almost like a family meeting thing, but almost absolutely with the, the, the couple level of this. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, uh, the Gottmans talk about this a lot and they're, they're, they're really known in the world of couples and couples therapy. And it's, it's this idea of knowing your partner's inner world. Um, and, you know, we do this naturally when things are not COVID-19. We'll, we'll know about the partner's important meeting or write a uh, presentation and we'll ask about it. But again, without the structure of that, um, we're sort of forgetting those pieces. So, so to create that, hey, what's coming up for you this week? And to, to know those inner worlds, um, it's a really sweet way of staying connected and grounded um, and out of the fray. <laughs> and, and how do you transcend from what you've had to do all day long? Um, separately or as you know people who are still working if we're still working or even just right. someone who is doing sure. things around the house while a partner may be wor you know worried and 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 right. not working all of those different permutations that we're seeing happening with so many people out of work but to be able to create that moment of connection on a daily basis um, so that you don't have this stuff fester anymore that it's okay to share some of this instead of just trying to bury it and pretend that somehow it's going to get better or that maybe it's going to all fall apart, one of the two, but keeping it buried mm -hmm. and silent. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm a big fan of rituals of connection. So I love the idea of a, a, a special way that we either start or end the day, right? And I know some people kind of balk against that. They're much more spontaneous. Um, and I actually, you know, knowing we're going to have this conversation, I went back to one of my tried and true resources um, and it's this, it's this really great workbook for couples. Um, and they have an acronym that I think is lovely in terms of really uh, having some guidance for how to have these conversations. So if, if it's okay, I could share that with you now. Oh, I would love it if you would. Okay. So the acronym is love. <laughs> and, and I know it's so sweet, right? And I'm kind of corny, so I love that stuff. But um, what it stands for is the L is listen, right? O is with your open heart and your open mind. The V is validate each other. So, so don't listen to respond. Listen to, to really deeply, as much as you can, understand what it is that your partner is saying to you. Um, and then the E is express. Express yourself, right? Share your inner world, your thoughts and your feelings, your struggles. Um, and they, they really invite that in that expression to, to use simple words, um, to talk softly and to talk slowly. 
right? And, and the idea of we really want to connect and understand and show up as supportive. We're in this together, you know? So I think it's a really sweet acronym. <laughs> it is. And what it helps a person to do in a relationship is, I think, it even sweeter. Um, because that kind of action of, of really listening, listening deeply, listening with your open heart, being able to express things simply so that we're not there to just dazzle our partners with how much we know or how intelligent we are, but we're really speaking from that sense of emotion and, yes. and need. And we all have yes. that. We all have that, right. Um, and the other thing about that is um, to really drop down so that you're not arguing about the dishes or the mess or the, you know, and those are the things that all couples get caught up on. So I, that's totally normal. Um, but certainly in these times when there are so many other stresses, I'm not sure how helpful that is. Whereas to have a real heart connection to really say, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling here and maybe this is what I need or I just need you to know I'm having a hard time. And, and can you sit with me? Um, and can we feel connected and in it together? I think it could be so, so powerful and grounding and helpful in these moments. And you're doing this in your family um, with your husband? We do a lot of, yes, absolutely. We do a lot of sitting down and slowing down. And we do a lot of naming in, a, in, a, in the moment um, when something is feeling rough. Uh, so my daughter came up with this just sort of on her own, you know, daughter of a psychologist, right? When she was four, she goes, mom, you're talking hard. And I said, oh, I'm talking too hard okay, thank you for that feedback. And then we just, you know, and I say, okay, maybe mommy's rushing or maybe I'm, I'm tired and frustrated, but let's sit down and, and tell me about what's going on for you, right? And so we, I definitely practice what I preach. <laughs> I take that one to heart because I've been told <laughs> that when I get really wound up about something that I talk hard too. Right, I think maybe, you know, that's common, right? Yeah, and, and, that I, and sometimes I, when I get really upset that I, I bark like a gunny sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was a scary thing to hear from my husband. Yeah. Just settle down, settle. And sometimes, you know, when someone is telling you to calm down or settle down, that's having the absolute you know, reverse effect. And Correct. so, just I think being able to say, "Hey, come sit with me," uh, come, yes. you know, approaching that more softly when the other person is really upset or wound up um, is a lot better than saying to somebody, "Calm down," because they're probably yeah. not going to. And, and there's another phrase that I use often, and I'll just, I'll, I'll invite my couples to use this too, which is, you know, ouch, that landed kind of funny. So, you know, it's an invitation to explore what happened without, you know, you're being an a-hole or, you know, you always talk yeah. this way, which are sort of, you know, sometimes um, startup fighting words, but hmm, ouch, that landed kind of funny. Um, what was going on right there? Or what, you know, what, what were you trying to communicate or? Are you having a hard day? You know, um, it's, I feel like it's a much more open way to start that conversation while acknowledging, you know, your hurt um, but without it being so accusatory and, you know, that wrapping us into that, that cycle. <laughs> you know, and, and I think for a lot of people, though, that when they get wrapped up in a lot of those cycles, it's yeah. easy to lapse into name calling. And Absolutely. I've never seen name calling do a whole lot of good. Uh, except no. maybe for the person who's doing the name calling that it, at that moment, it's, it's the escape valve, but how that lands with the other person and how it escalates after that really becomes a difficult situation to dial back. So, you know, with name calling, I, how do you get somebody to, to stop using those kinds of words that are so <laughs> common 
No, I mean, people okay. use it all the time. I mean, permutations of the F word and a-hole mm -hmm. and all kinds of other words that just seem to be falling into language so much more so or be so much more accepted. We see them on TV. We hear them in programming. Mm -hmm. People say them all the time as if it's just okay to be calling people names. It doesn't <laughs> seem to do a whole lot of good. How do you break no. that cycle? Certainly, that's an escalator. So, um, you know, ouch, that lands funny. <laughs> um, and then I, I you know, I, I'm curious. Um, sometimes I'll share feedback. I'll say, hey, that when when you speak to me in that tone, or when you use that language with me, you know, if I'm grounded, I could I could say back that really hurts me, you know, um, or that it makes it hard for me to hear you in these moments, right? Because um, what you're saying is true that that tit for tat you know, F-bomb, B-word, right? So, and, and this is hard stuff to do. I want everyone to know that I, I, I full-heartedly agree in, in, in these suggestions, um, but also to acknowledge that in the moment when there is emotional activation, this is hard to do. So it really is a practice. And I, you know, just invite people to practice finding the words for them that will help. Um, lots of my couples on, you know, accept ouch, it lands funny. Um, this is the way it makes me feel when you, um, another nice cue word is, whoa, can we just pause right here? Can we slow down um, to, to give gentle feedback that, you know, you're coming in hot and hard and I might <laughs> come back and I don't want to do that. So it really takes grounding on, on one partner's side <laughs> to kind of change that cycle, I think, right? But then what, with the repetition of that feedback, then I think people start to recognize, oh, right, I don't want to use that language with my partner because look at where it takes place. I hear you asking that, you know, one person is going to have to, be the initiator of that kind of, of of slowing down in the moment, and it that's helps. yeah, it helps. It helps. It really helps a lot if you can have one who's at a, a moment more tuned in than the other. Like we have a rule mm -hmm. that we both can't go off at the same time about anything because it's not helpful. Somebody's got to be able to be the yeah. anchor, and so you know, we kind of do a quick check. Like, is it you this time, or is it me? And, and then go. But another thing that uh, I was taught as a child um, by my uncle was mm -hmm. to just be silent for a moment, uh, just take mm -hmm. the moment of silence and not to be afraid of silence. I think so often in, in our society, we're unable or unwilling to take that moment of silence because of the way we are afraid we might be perceived, that we don't have a snappy comeback or that we don't right. have anything to say. Whereas the silent moment is allowing a few just beats to think, to be able to understand what's going on, how you can either, as we say in our family, you could make it better or you could make it worse, which way you want to go in this case. And to allow you to make a choice in that moment that hopefully is going to make it better. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So the word I use for that is pause. And a lot of clients also really grab onto that, right? Can we just pause for a moment? Right. <laughs> and sometimes people will pause and go get a drink of water or make a cup of tea or use the bathroom or get some air. I mean, then of course, it's really important to come back to it um, if you both can agree and feel ready because it doesn't feel good to take, you know, some people will take pause and never come back. And that also doesn't feel good, <laughs> even though you've stopped the conflict in the moment, right? The unfinished business, if it piles up, that can feel pretty yucky for people. Um, and fester. So can we pause and, and fester, exactly. So can we pause and come back to it mindfully, right? Or are you going to make it better or make it worse? Right. That's also a nice little cue and having those little cue words. Right. And I, I put it, I say, you know, this is up to you guys and it doesn't have to be all one person's work or the other. 
whichever person in this particular tussle, right, is able to name it and slow it down. You be that person. When you have a situation, though, where perhaps somebody has put it on pause and you've done all the right things and then they don't come back to it and it is festering, oh. how, do you, how do you open that up again in a nice way, a gentle way, mm -hmm. but that gets you back to the heart of what you're really upset about because it probably wasn't the dishes or the cap on the toothpaste or leaving the seat up or any of those right. things that, you know, for generations, you know, couples <laughs> have, have bickered over or just felt annoyed by, but there's just something else that is there that says you're not paying attention to me or you're not recognizing Absolutely. my needs or you didn't hear me, all of those mm -hmm. things, which are much deeper issues. Mm -hmm. How do you get somebody back to that if they're trying to just sweep it <laughs> under the rug and pretend it's not there. Sure. So couples therapy? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> that's, <a> <laughs> that's a common yeah. one, right? It's a common yeah. one. And sometimes we need uh, some help sort of drawing it out. Um, I often will invite the person who has the unfinished business um, to sit with what that is, right? And just as you had said, can you, can you name what is at the heart of it for you? So before you come back to your husband or wife or partner um, and start talking about the dirty dishes in the sink again, right? Can you um, take some time with yourself and, and really focus and name what it is for you, which might be, um, I feel like I'm pulling all the weight here and then that leaves me feeling really alone in this relationship and I'm so needing you, right? I'm so needing to feel that you're in this with me. Yeah, so then that's a very clear message. Um, and it's not something that you can go back and forth about like you can about the dishes or I did them last week. It's your turn this week, right? I mean, you know, um, and then can you come from that grounded heart place and share that with your partner, you know, and just say, hey, this is still feeling unfinished for me. And I, I really want us to be able to talk about this. And I really need for you to hear that I have this inside of me, right? So I, I'm also a big kind of asking, you know, being mindful about the time and, and asking permission because if the partner is having, you know, the worst day ever, you know, maybe it's okay for them to say, I, I'm not going to be able to sit with you and with this conversation right now, but let's schedule a time for tomorrow morning when we make up, you know, wake up and have our tea or coffee, that kind of thing. I have another question for you that's related okay. to this, because okay. now that we're all at home and dealing <laughs> with our own spouses, partners, we're also many of us in touch with family who yes. may be dealing with their own issues and getting earfuls about all of that too and feeling kind of you know impotent to be able to to help or to do anything particularly if you're talking about a grandmother or a mother or father um, aunts uncles people who are telling you what's going on in their lives and and trying right, to be right, right helpful mm -hmm. to those couples, those older couples in our lives who don't necessarily use this same kind of language that we do right. and, mm -hmm. and trying to talk to them through some of this. And I've, I've kind of found myself in that position a couple of times over the last couple uh, of weeks. And I'm wondering uh, what you might <laughs> suggest as we're trying to be mindful of what's happening in our own nuclear homes, a spouse or a partner, and also hearing all kinds of things from family members, too, who are also experiencing a great deal of difficulty with their own spouses or partners. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that's a tough one. I would say, you know, again, first check in with yourself. Um, if you have the bandwidth um, and are able to, what often people just really want to be heard. And so say, you know, um, 
your aunt is complaining to you about your uncle and your uncle is not hearing her. Um, it may go a long way for you if you're able to, and, you're, and again, if you have the bandwidth to sit with her and validate and be really empathic. I hear you. Oh gosh, that sounds so hard. Oh yes, I understand that frustration, right? Um, and, and then maybe uh, sort of guide her a little bit to just naming again what's true for all of us. These are hard times, being stuck together all the time is difficult and seeing, um, validating and then inviting her to have some grace given the situation or maybe some compassion or forgiveness you know, um, with her partner. Um, my other thought though is that for some people that's too much. You know, them managing their own nuclear family <laughs> and keeping that afloat, you know, it may be difficult to take in this other information and to hold that for someone. Um, and so I think there's a loving way that you could set a boundary there too. And the boundary would sound maybe something like, um, you know, Auntie so and so, I'm, I'm so sorry that you and Uncle are having a hard time. That, that does sound really hard. Um, I, I'm not able to talk to you about this right now, right? And then maybe provide resources or, um, and I don't know that, you know, culturally that might be difficult for some people, but I'm also aware that um, for some of us, it's really important to set that boundary and not take on more. Um, and the, with closer families, sometimes, you know, I have a lot of my adult clients that struggle with being pulled in between their, their mother and father's stuff. So I, you know, I think and hope that there is a way to lovingly express that care and support, but without feeling pulled into the middle of it. Does that make sense? No, and certainly if you, if, yeah, if there are other resources, like maybe if, you know, if they have a spiritual community or religious community, that might be an appropriate resource um, to access at this time or something like that. I think it's important to realize that you can't always be there. You may want to sometimes, but, but you can't. In, in the way you express that is, I think, the way in which the other person may understand it better. And so trying to express that in a way that's respectful and kind, especially with everything that everybody is feeling. Uh, and even just being able to say, you know, today... I'm in overwhelm too. And maybe we could talk about this another time and make a time to talk about it. Because if it's your mother calling you, telling you something, you know, it's very different. Yeah. Depends right. on the relative, right? Absolutely. And, and then what they're feeling. So walking that line uh, for many of us who have families and extended families and people expecting you to be there all the mm -hmm. time, especially if that's been your role in the family. Um, yeah. that, that can be really difficult. And I can imagine Absolutely. for you that you might be getting a few phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about some of the, this, the sweetness of all of this too, because we've talked about some, some mm -hmm. deeper issues. But this also offers, offers an opportunity for people to be around each other in ways that they don't really get a chance to do mm -hmm. in, in the normal way and to be able to do things together or separately or just experience how the other person does certain things. Um, I've learned a lot just by watching how my husband wants to put things away in the kitchen. And mm -hmm. since he now does a lot more of the cooking than I do, I thought, okay, that's, that's all right. I get that now, <laughs> as opposed to other days when I would come home and say, what the heck is that doing there? You know, there. simple things like that to yes. being able to have the kind of you know, deep pillow talk at two o'clock in the afternoon because we right. both happen to be here. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think it's so lovely. And, and also for, 
you know, as much as there is this sort of new uncertainty and um, very novel stress from COVID-19, um, many of the regular day-to-day -day ones have been removed. Right? I can't tell you how many people have commented to me, myself included, um, on my very brief commute sometimes, notice it's so nice not to have traffic in Hawaii, right? Um, and for some people, you know, they spend hours each day on the road and having those hours not stressed and in traffic, um, but to start the day, you know, having coffee with their, their honey or their loved one, right? It's just such a lovely thing. And um, yeah, I've heard people sharing, just finding really sweet spaces. We're gardening together now, or we're working on this project together. Um, or even just this, the slow, like you were talking about, right? We have this random moment in the middle of the day um, and we can connect in this really sweet way. Um, yeah, it's lovely. That part of it is lovely. Um, and what I would like to say to that though is, um, I think it's really and, like in my family, it's, um, and I think that's important because I've had a lot of feedback. Um, you know, there's a lot in social media where some people are really celebrating this time. Oh, I'm baking and I'm having, you know, all this great time with my family. And I've had many clients tell me that's really triggering. I'm struggling. And when people are talking about how wonderful yes. this time is, yes. you know, that makes me feel like I'm doing it wrong. It makes me feel like, you know, there's something really wrong with me or really puts me in touch with the disparity, you know, between, you know, me and them. I mean, it can be really hurtful. And so what I've really noticed and I'm aiming for myself and lots of my clients, is it's really and. Right? I, I love that my family gets to go on these long walks. And sometimes when I'm trying to juggle work and being a, a learning coach, it feels completely overwhelming and I'm stressed out. You know, so I am having both incredible sweet and and sometimes what feels like exasperation, <laughs> really, you know, high stress. Which in my ears sounds like you're really giving a reflection of what life is looking like right now. Absolutely. That it's not these polar opposites that that we want to sort of gravitate toward because maybe that looks good on social. But right. I really like what you're saying about what you're seeing on, on social and what you're hearing from people saying of how that makes them feel. Because we know that social media for a lot of people hasn't made them feel great to see everybody else yeah. having this fabulous life and wonderful right. things happening. And that it's not a, a true reflection of reality. It's just these little snippets that have been selectively put up on social so that this alternate, almost alternate reality is created. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when you add COVID-19 activity on top of that and the stressors of all of that, it can make it you know, even worse. And I've, I've noticed that I've been very reticent to do a whole lot on, on social media or mm -hmm. even gravitate toward it. Mm -hmm. And then the polar opposite, my husband is on, on Facebook a lot, talking to a lot of his friends and, and oh, maintaining those connections through you know, his school and through um, college and all that stuff so that they feel like they really are there for each other and with each other. So you know, I, I can see that it has its, its own sweetness too. But I'm really glad that you talked about how this is making some people feel mm -hmm. to have those sweet moments put up. Even though there are some websites and um, you know, some Facebook pages that are devoted to the sweet small things to being able to focus mm -hmm. our attention on that, which is good too but not yes. an exclusion, right? Right. It's very much an and moment. We need to, to hold all that is true, you know? I would take it, though, that there are lots of and moments that we need to put into our lives as well, not just in COVID-19 situations, right. but in general as a couple. What Absolutely. other and moments do you see that, that you think might be able to help us transcend where we are now 
and move it into someplace better as we come out of this into a world that we really don't know very well because we've never had to do anything like this before. Um, that's a big question. Are you talking in a, in a, on a large scale? <laughs> um, in a large scale and a small scale, oh, as, okay. as, you know, as couples have to go and redefine their that. lives. Because if we're transcending this and, and you know, we don't know how many more weeks uh, it, we may be in this situation as our state is trying to reopen in, in phases and what that may mean as some of us go back to work or are not going back to or work. Not. Right. Right. And so not only have we not ever dealt with something like COVID-19 before, but we've never dealt with the outgrowth of that. This is, you know, some people have tried to make an analogy with 9-11 or the Great Recession, Uh, but this is so far and away beyond that. So how do people take some of these and moments and and build that Mm -hmm. into their lives or maybe practice Mm -hmm. it well now so that when they get to that, they might be able to, to, connect better and hopefully have a stronger relationship from all of this. Okay. So, so the one thing is that um, the end has to be true, right? So if I'm to say, right, cause sometimes we'll get really flowery and there's this whole positive psychology and right. And, and, and it's, it's, and it's great rubbish. to look on the bright side, right. But it can't be BS because otherwise it right. doesn't do anything for us. And if there's some really interesting neurobiological study on that, you right. It's, you can't just, say flowery, you know, rainbows and cupcakes and glitter and it not be true. Um, so uh, I think a lot of couples, and I'll just say even for myself, um, I, I'll name, today was hard. Um, and I'm grateful because I know that my partner is still here and he's not going anywhere. And though it was a hard day, all the days won't be hard, right? And yesterday we had a great day or, you know, naming both the, the stress um, and also whatever the true sweetness is. Um, or it's, right, the, the world is scary and I'm also seeing incredible acts of kindness, right? Incredible humanity, right? In the face of, of this massive fear and grief and uncertainty. So that's a, a bigger end. But I think it's true for me, right? That I like that. With me. I like that a lot because it points up the fact that states change. Yes. And, you know, my grandmother used to tell me, you know, you better make friends with change because nothing endures <laughs> like change. And I, that, I have that resonate in my head so many times as we go through all of this that I keep hearing her say that, you know, that this is not going to be the way the states are forever. This is not, I mean, I mean, as, as emotional states and, and even the physical states of having to be within one's home for a week sign and all this is going to change how it changes and how we're able to resonate with those changes and accommodate those changes or not um, mm-hmm. is going to be a matter of in some cases choice and in some cases no choice and being okay with that being okay and that's that speaks to fluidity that mm-hmm. speaks to the ability to to move and to change and people don't like change in the normal way i mean even yeah. just you know moving <laughs> moving house or moving in your, your office space or any of that, that it seems like we just don't like change very much. So how, how would you advise couples as we're talking about these kinds of changes to put it into a, that kind of positive context, that and context um, yeah. on a daily basis to start practicing mm-hmm. that now, even when we just have each other to practice it with? Absolutely. I know that's a big question. <laughs> it is. Um, I'm thinking of this parenting trick that I learned, which is catch them being good. Right. It was in a parenting book yeah. and it, it, the, the 
sort of guidance was think about how many times you tell your child no or don't or stop. And, and then, in, you know, instead try to catch them being good. And, you know, although it was advice for parenting, I think it's wonderful advice in terms of partnership. You know, like you were saying, noticing your husband doing the sweet things with the plants or the cat, right? Like really charge yourself with that task, catch him being good so that you can have an ant. Because otherwise it's really easy for the negative to get really loud, you know? And, and then once we start that negative narrative, it's really easy then to, and this is the way our brains work, to pull in information that just validates that heuristic. Right. And so it really is a mindful practice. And gratitude is the same way. Really, you know, looking for amidst all of this that feels tenuous and shaky and uncertain and scary for some people. Right. Um, I, I still have that best friend that calls me every single day and checks in and sees how I'm doing. Right. Or something like that. Um, and so certainly for couples, very similarly. Right. Um, try to catch him being good so that you can have a true and. Right. Um, I hate that, you know, he's leaving his socks on the floor still. And, you know, um, we're cuddling so much more, right? Whatever the truth might be. <laughs> Which is to say that you kind of have two baskets that you can load. You can load up all the <laughs> negativity and pull in all the reasons that you feel validated and right in saying all the things that you're saying. You can also load up your basket of gratitude and, and express all the nifty things and wonderful things about being together. And somewhere between those two baskets is, is sort of the reality of your life. I don't mean yeah. to simplify that you know, overly no. much, but right. it just seems like, for me at least, in my head, that's the vision I have, that I walk around carrying these two baskets, and which one am I going to load today more? Correct, correct. And I think it's really helpful to acknowledge, you know, life is not black and white, right? Relationships aren't good or bad. I mean, we're, we're, human beings are complex, right? And messy and beautiful. And so <laughs> that's just the truth of things. And so, so our relationships. Um, With the couples that are, that are coming to you that you've been seeing, um, mm -hmm. obviously they're not coming to you because everything is all rainbows and glitter and, and you know, unicorns. They're coming because there are issues. Yes. Do you see this situation that a lot of them are in now as being real opportunities for them to move through some of this stuff? Or do you think this is pushing them toward maybe the other basket that they're trying to load of, of yeah. why maybe they shouldn't be together? Because I don't want to ignore that, that this is really difficult for a lot of people, gotcha. particularly if um, they're already in a situation where the relationship is stressed. Right. And that's an interesting question. I haven't, no new couples have engaged with me. I'm about to intake my first new couple online next week, um, which will be interesting for me. Um, so I've, I only have the couples that I had done some work with prior. Um, and I think it, I'm guessing it's really dependent on um, maybe how much COVID-19 is stressing them. So just anecdotally from my own private practice, um, the couples that I'm working with, are for, they're all fortunate to, you know, still have a place to live, still have some source of income. And so um, they're working on the issues that they came into work with. And I'm not seeing COVID-19 having a major, or they're not expressing to me that COVID-19 is, is majorly impacting their relationship dynamic. Um, so I, I don't know if I can, you know, really speak to what you're saying. Because I, I, I think what you're saying is probably true, that it may be um, exasperating things for other couples. Um, but I'm not, that's just not what's in my current practice right now. Well, I'm, I'm glad for that. And I'm glad for people who are continually working on their relationships so that they can stay together and maintain that paired shared relationship and move through time together. Because, you know, when I was a kid and my uncle would say things like, you know, just about anybody can fall in love. The real trick is being able to move through time in love together and all the changes that time brings. And I've thought about that a lot as I've gotten older, 
um, because you know you watch movies and and it's fun to see that first spark and the rest of it. But how you weave that fabric of a yeah. relationship, it takes time and it takes testing and it takes it takes things in some cases like this that really show you facets of your partner and allows him or her to see facets of you to weave that even more closely. So I want to just thank you so much for, for the time that we've been able to talk today. I've really enjoyed it personally. Oh, yes, me and too. Thank you. I look forward to more, more conversations. And, and I love some of the rituals that you do with your family. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's a, a wonderful way to end the day. And I'll share one with you that, you know, every night my husband blesses me. And I, and I had never had that experience in my life, but he just blesses mm-hmm. me for, for being in his life. And, and it just makes the night finish like, you know, like we finish the day and, and it's, yeah. we're going to sleep and it's just a lovely thing. And it has meant so much more to me in the context uh-huh. of COVID-19. And so I hope everyone out there, if there is some ritual mm-hmm. that can be imported into your lives, uh, that it will make your life feel that this is a time in which you are enriched as well as challenged. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining us today as we talked about going from anxiety to clarity. We'll have more conversations about it too. And if you have suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, or if you have questions, please send me an email. My email address is causelovb at sutterhealth.org. That's K-O-Z-L-O-V-B as in boy at sutterhealth.org. Org. And we will be sure to get your questions answered for you from Mental Health America of Hawaii. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'll look forward to talking with you next time as we all move from anxiety to clarity. <laughs>